Heard at Sports Radio. Every weekday morning from 7 to 10 a.m. Join hosts Robbie Lula and Damon Benning and our cast of Heard at Sports personalities as they share their fresh perspectives while keeping you highly entertained. Take a dive into the latest news in all things sports, from the pros to right here at home. Catch Heard at Sports Radio with Robbie Lula and Damon Benning, 7 to 10 a.m. on air, online, and on podcast. Heard at Sports Radio. Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. The voice of Husker Nation is on the air. This is Hale Varsity Radio. Insight, opinion, expertise, along with the biggest names talking Nebraska sports. Join in with the show at 402-489-1240 or 1-800-825-5865. Now, here are your hosts, Chris Schmidt and Elijah Herbel. Welcome to it, midweek editions here. It's Hale Varsity Radio. Chris Schmidt, Elijah Herbal. We're presented by Cornhead Logger. Numbers to dial up. Get in today on Hale Varsity Radio. 489-1240. 489-1240. Or toll free where you hear us across the Hale Varsity Radio Network. 1-800-825-5865. Can email the show, Chris at HaleVarsity.com. Couple of well, more than a couple of emails to get to from the last couple of days. That has been neglected by me. There's folks still chiming in and some thoughts on Wisconsin. We'll get there. Can watch the show. You're invited to do that and do so on the Hale Varsity YouTube channel. Uh, check that out. Subscribe to it. Also, the Hale Varsity Radio Twitter feed at HVarsity Radio. So uh, give that a follow. Find Elijah on Twitter at Herbal Essence. Find me, Chris Schmidt, at Schmidt underscore radio. Uh, we have folks jumping in the stream already. Can do that a couple of different ways. Facebook, Twitter, or the YouTube channel. Dion is uh, first in line. Roll call continues. Anonymous is in. Dion letting us know that doesn't sound like... Double H isn't going to play Saturday. I think with a high ankle sprain. I don't think he's playing the rest of the year. No, I think well, with the, except maybe a bowl game. Well, you got to get there. You got to get there then, first. If, if you get to a bowl game under Purdy, I think he then takes the he takes the reins. Exactly, he takes the reins. So. And if if Harburg gets healthy, then maybe it's H back time for him. And hey, he's a hell of a good athlete. Why not? So we'll get into to plenty of thoughts on Nebraska, Wisconsin. Uh, some things to dive into with the college football playoff that's, uh, well, interesting right now. Are you worried about Tony White one and done in Lincoln? We can uh, open that kettle of worms. You feel bad, and I know there's not any Iowa love within a lot of our listening audience. That said, Cooper DeGene is an incredible ball player. He is out for Iowa. He is out uh, through at least the bowl game. That's uh, what Scott Docterman's reporting. It's unofficial, but Scott's juiced in for sure. Uh, Braun getting the nod at Northwestern. Kudos to him. That's some Big Ten news. And you, you look at that Iowa-Illinois game, 
And we'll talk to Mike Babcock here in about 15 minutes, get Babbert's take on Saturday and uh, the, 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 the West race in hour two. Evan Bland will join us. We'll dive in to uh, a jock doc with Deshaun Watson, uh, 489-1240 uh, to get in. But it's interesting just taking the temperature of the Nebraska fan base right now as we're into the middle of November and really paying attention to the Wisconsin fan base, specifically our chat with Barry Alvarez yesterday. And, you know, it's, it's how he said it with the, well, you're used to winning, right? And Nebraska's not had a winning season in, in too long, and, and Rule and company are trying to change that. The kids down at the stadium are trying to change that. And uh, Wisconsin, though, uh, was a program that whacked Paul Christ early. They, they got in the, the Luke Fickle sweepstakes. Fickle did a great job at Cincinnati, did an amazing job at Ohio State, did a wonderful job the year he was interim back in 2011. And he comes in, and he's got to uh, liven up what Wisconsin is on offense. And you've seen those transitions not only take time, but take their toll. They have taken their toll on, on, on Bucky, on their fan base, and, you know, at worst, even if you had a bad Big Ten record, Wisconsin would be a 7-5 and five squad, and then they'd typically bounce back. And that is difficult to go away from what has been working, or at least has been moderately, moderately successful, as they were the West favorite, despite new coaches, new system, and your, your air rating in Wisconsin versus the old ground and pound. You've got an injured back in Braylon Allen that's incredible. And it's not that Wisconsin hasn't run the football or 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 flipped it to, to 90-10 pass, but they've become a pass first. They've always been a pro-style offense, but their bread and butter was I-formation or the, the pin and pull, very big athletic linemen, and, and you get – an insane running game and they have worn you out and beaten you down by the fourth quarter on top of an just an incredible defense time after time Mm -hmm. well all that's been problematic and i just wonder where each fan base's morale is is at you know you listen to, to wisconsin fans they want the season done over get us a quarterback and mordecai's good he's just not been healthy but Make these growing pains stop. Get good on offense. Be what you are on defense and, and move forward. Um, so Wisconsin's had to modernize at the expense of what they've been good enough to get bowling at or at least, worst case, you know, be in that West contention all the way through November. They're, everybody's in contention, it feels like, for the West right now. Uh, but uh, Nebraska right now, morale-wise, you felt good after Illinois. Wisconsin felt good after Illinois, okay? After that Iowa loss, they go pull off a, an 18-point comeback on the road at Illinois against the old pig farmer, their old head coach. And I'm sure their fans looked at that's what the passing attack does. Sure, and, and, and it, it, it brought them back. And it's funny that we thought that that moment in time this season that turned things around was the Illinois win by both squads. And, and I believe it was for Nebraska to at least be – in the discussion about getting to six. Uh, the last two weeks have, have taken a step back 
with that uh, that confidence level if you're a Nebraska fan. But the goal line stand, the the double-digit win, despite being an underdog against Illinois, that was a pretty big statement after Michigan hammered you. Uh, the win by Wisconsin at Illinois, uh, what did they do? They followed up with three losses. And not just three losses, but Indiana just clubbed them. And then Northwestern came in and said, are you done with that? Thank you, Indiana. I will take said tire iron and go to town on Wisconsin again. So, Man, you've got two fan bases. I think Nebraska's in a healthier spot, but they're still uh, a little dis- a little skeptical and a little disappointed about the last two weeks. It's not it's not not doable Saturday night for Nebraska, but you just you just don't have much confidence in the offense. But on the flip side, you turn around and Wisconsin fans they got to be even more disappointed than Husker fans in this season. Like, you talk about, has this season been fun for Husker fans? That was our topic of discussion yesterday. It has not been fun for Wisconsin fans because I said it preseason, and I'm going to stick with my guns here. Wisconsin has, or at least had, they, I know they dealt with some injuries this year, but they came into this season with enough talent to go win the Big Ten West. Pretty easily. Very fair. It's they, just how did the transition work? And it was terrible. That has been, especially offensively, with the pieces that they have. Nebraska fans have been frustrated with Marcus Satterfield. Wisconsin has had arguably coaching malpractice as well with their offense too, with the way they've tried to flip things. They do not have the pieces to run the offense that Phil Longo wants to run. And if they tried to ease into this air raid, you know what? They went and got Mordecai, so at least they've got a pass-first quarterback. But the thing was, was they didn't go from, well, we've been throwing the ball 15 to 20 times a game for the past five years, so let's maybe go to... 20 to 25 this year. No, they they they, they went jumped from up small to, to large. To 35 passing attempts a game. Not every single game. They're, and, they're and not the Maryland just yet. Right? The receivers are the problem. Re- receivers are the problem. And what the heck is going on? I we're Let getting, there be light. We're getting power surges in here. Um, but you look at Wisconsin. They had Braylon Allen on their roster. We came back. They had a, a, a road grading offensive line still. And they didn't do it as the lights go back off in the studio. This is getting spooky. We're past Halloween. I, I'm throwing them off my point, but let me get back to my point. Mm-hmm. The point being that, like, Braylon Allen wasn't even the starting running back for Wisconsin this year. They had Ches Malusi. He was a Clemson transfer. He was their second string, solidly second string running back last season. But he fits the air raid, the, the offensive Phil Longish a little better. So he's the starting running back until he, uh, I think, breaks his ankle uh, in a, a game earlier this fall. I think it was against Purdue, actually. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and Braylon Allen has to step into that role. And instead of changing the offense and saying, you know what, we still have Braylon Allen, let's go back to maybe a 50-50 split. They've stuck with this like 65-35 split between pass and run. Wisconsin has gone fully aired out. They don't have their wide receivers for it. Their running backs are not the pass-catching options that you'd like them to be. It, Wisconsin, I think, had a path to the Big Ten West. If they could have slowly made the transition to what Phil Longo wanted to do, but they jumped headfirst into this air raid style of offense, and it has not worked for them. And and that even surprised me because I thought, I said it preseason, Luke Fickle's a good coach. I think Phil Longo's a good coach. I think they're going to understand the pieces that they have and understand that the most important thing you can do in year one is win. You know what it's done? It's killed their defense. Yeah, because, I mean, I mean it, it's looked like Nebraska the past couple years. They're not winning time of possession anymore like nope. they used to. Their it's defense has been on the field a hell of a lot. And, and it has simply looked like that that staff, Fickle, Longo, all the way top to bottom, has not prioritized winning in year one. It's been, let's get our system in place, and the pieces will come down the road. You had a winning roster this year. And Wisconsin has chosen to, instead of build a, a team and a core identity in year one, 
that fits the identity of their team. They have said, you know what? Square peg round hole has been a topic with Nebraska this year. They have gone ultimate square peg round hole with their offense. They don't have the pieces to run the offense that they want to run, and they're saying, screw it, we're going to do it anyway. And you've seen the result. It's three straight losses. It's 5-5 five and five for this Wisconsin team. And, and I don't think that their offense is going to do much against Nebraska either. Now, will Nebraska's offense shoot themselves in the foot more than Wisconsin on Saturday? We're going to find it's out. It's up but, to the black shirts. But you talk about the frustration <laughs> with Nebraska's offense this year. Wisconsin fans have even more of a bone to pick with their offense because they have the pieces to go in offensively. Nebraska, I'm not so sure that they can put together a high-flying offense the way Marcus Satterfield wants it to be an offense. And it's funny I say high-flying. In the Big Ten West, that's 25 points a game. Wisconsin 21. <laughs> Wisconsin wants to put up an offense that has puts up 30 points a game, but they have an offense that, that right now is built for ball control. It's built for running the football. It's built for 35 minutes to 40 minutes of time of possession. Put 21 points on the board, and that's going to be enough to win the football game. That's the pieces that they have, but that's not the offense that they're trying to run. Well, and you nailed it. It's, well, you adjust to us, Wisconsin offensive pieces, uh, and no, we're, we're not going to adjust to you. Uh, Rule, his take was we're going to win now or try and win now, but we're also going to build for, for later. And we had Anonymous's comment up there. You'd think that Harburg would have progressed, progressed more with one year under the cigar chomper and another with Whipple. Uh, he's talking about <laughs> Verdusco telling him to stay out of the QB room and just watch from the sideline. I, You know what? I think what Harburg was asked to do when he came in and how they kind of tailored the offense to him, I think he he had his moments. And, and the reason Nebraska was able to rip off so many wins was because of his legs, his toughness, his athleticism. And as limited as he is as a college passer, and that's not his fault, it's his reality because of the cigar ch- stomp, you know, chomper and, and whip, not – even I mean, how many reps has a kid got since he's been here? Like the most he's played has probably been this year, let alone the most he's practiced. So I'm not writing him off completely. I'm not an idiot to the fact that there's turnover problems and there's probably a confidence issue right now because of what's what's different. And that's that defenses have adjusted to him and you're not seeing the field. I mean, he's he's a guy that's been in college a while, but when it comes to running an offense and, and getting these concepts down and being comfortable with them and, and playing fast but having it slow down where you can make your reads, he isn't there yet. And he and a lot of kids at his point in his career aren't there yet when they've not played a lot of, of college football. So uh, from a progression standpoint, he came in and Nebraska's 5-3 and three under him. It's better than the alternative. Uh, and now we turn to Pretty and see if, if Chuba is going to be the guy, and uh, can Nebraska, you know, have him manage, have him make some plays, and ultimately can the run game step up? But we're talking morale, and Wisconsin right now is as formidable as, as Camp Randall is. And I think it's going to be about 38 degrees Saturday night. They always get up for Nebraska, but right now, man, they're they're just – to a to a Wisconsin fan, they're just waiting for the season to get done to point out what you've hit on, and that's just that they've kind of blown uh, what what opportunity they had. It's very interesting, and we'll get Babber's take on this with the West race here coming up shortly. But it ain't over for a lot of teams in the West. I mean, there's still some contention to talk about for a Wisconsin. 
uh, four in Nebraska, four in Northwestern, four in Illinois. And I think Minnesota's in a tough spot. I really think Purdue's in a tough spot. And, and Iowa's right there. How are they going to be uh, without Cooper there for them? And uh, their finish is not easy either. They got to come to Lincoln and Illinois. And Illinois sure as hell thinks they owe them one uh, based on last year's 9-6 to score fest where the Iowa defense got an interception with Illinois driving to at least tie the ball game. And uh, that, that'll be a, an interesting ball game. I mean, Illinois could very well uh, surprise. They had a bad November a year ago. They found some ways to win now, and uh, that win looks really good for Nebraska, uh, getting Wisconsin, I should say, getting Illinois when they did and, and handling them the manner they did uh, compared to you know late in the year as teams get better and try and survive. But Nebraska is Northwestern win as well. Sure. No, absolutely. Those two right? teams, Illinois and Northwestern, both have gotten a hell of a lot better as the year has gone on. They found a way to survive and, and advance. Nebraska right now is trying to, to gather and – Get one more at minimum. We'll talk about that with Mike Babcock. Great to have you in. 489-1240 to dial us up. We'll get to more of your stream comments. Hail Varsity continues. We're powered by Cornhead Lager. Now's the time to save 30% on wedding jewelry. Only on BlueNile.com. Make sure your wedding ring is the one with your pick of diamond and lab-grown diamond bands. All hand-finished and graded for excellence. Or surprise her with something blue she'll love for life, like a stunning pair of sapphire earrings. Blue Nile's jewelry experts are available 24-7 to help, from fit questions to style advice. Right now, get up to 30% off at BlueNile.com. BlueNile.com. And now. And now, back to Hale Varsity Radio. Thanks for spending time. It's Hale Varsity Radio Wednesday edition. We're presented by Cornhead Lager. We welcome in Mr. Husker Football. We say hi to Mike Babcock at MD Babs on Twitter. Get his biweekly newsletter. Mike B at HerdAtSports.com is where you can send that email and uh, make it happen. And uh, Mike will get you the historical perspective and then a preview of what's going on. Mike, been a long time since Nebraska rock and rolled. At Camp Randall, the mid-60s, I believe. Have you gotten the live chicken and some of Joe Boo's rum to break the hex? Uh, no, I haven't. I, I've only been to Madison one time. And uh, as I wrote in the newsletter this week, it was after the game. It was a night game, Russell Wilson game. <laughs> yeah. Nebraska's first Big Ten game. Uh, going back to the car, which was parked about 20 minutes from the stadium, 15, 20 minutes, it was like streets of fire. I mean, there were <laughs> trash can fires, uh, trash cans turned over, obscenities filled the air. Uh, you had to be careful because people were drunk and you were, had to navigate your way down the sidewalk. It was really uh, not a pleasant situation. So did anybody know. ask you for money? <laughs> no, nobody did. I tried to look as uh, unmoneyed as I could and uh, just wanted to get to the car and get out of Did there. you wear a hockey helmet and and were you wearing shoulder pads? I mean, did you did well, you go fullback mode? That would have been good. That would have been good. But um, I think uh, several of the people that we encountered were so drunk that they didn't know really what was going on. 
And it wasn't like I was wearing Husker red, so. See, I went uh, in 2019 and really enjoyed my time. Like, parked and had to walk directly down frat row on the way to the how, game. How'd that game work out? Was it a horrid beatdown? It was a, a first half beatdown. Nebraska showed some life in the second half, but not enough. That was the J.D. Spielman long touchdown. Ah, uh, yes. If you remember that one, where Nebraska got a little hope back at that moment, and then Wisconsin's defense went on to crush. They had a top 10 defense out that year. They were really good. Maybe Wisconsin fans just didn't care at all about Nebraska. The student section didn't finally fill in until midway through the third quarter, so it's very possible. But I enjoyed my experience in Madison altogether. I thought it was a, a nice little town. I thought the fans were nice and a lovely drinking culture out there as well. <laughs> not, for the, not for the inaugural Big Ten showdown between the Big Reds, though, huh, Mike? Yeah. Yeah, that, it was a capacity crowd that, that, that night for the game, and they were pretty fired up. Uh, I think they'd been uh, uh, drinking a little bit uh, <laughs> leading up to the game, and <laughs> there was quite a bit of enthusiasm going there. Babbers, so, what, 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 is there a, a college football war zone that compares to your, uh, your Madison experience? Um. I can't really think, you know, Colorado was never a friendly place. And I think I've said this before, but we always, when we'd run a car to drive out there, we always tried to make sure that it didn't have a Nebraska plate on it so that uh, you were in a little bit better shape once you got into Boulder. Um, but uh, on a consistent basis, Boulder probably ranked right up there as far as uh, people not being too, not being too kind uh, to visitors. And uh, they could recognize you whether you were were wearing a red or not. I think. See, Boulder's not too bad now. Once the fans dig into their halftime gummies, it becomes mm-hmm. much more manageable after that. Yeah, <laughs> they've needed every uh, every uh, ounce uh, from start to finish. <laughs> Mike, let's get a thought on on Saturday and Nebraska's quarterback Mary Go Round. What we do about and do know about Nebraska's the offensive line and run game has been. I, I will say stable, and you know the defense has been super high level uh, this entire season, and you're catching a Wisconsin team, much like a Michigan State team, much like a Maryland team that's that's been reeling. But from a morale standpoint, that's where we started the show off. I think the morale's about as low as I've seen at Wisconsin, and that's that's one feather in Nebraska's cap. They still got to go do it, obviously. Yeah, you know, I think that that's one of the things that uh, the players consistently talk about in the news conferences is the uh, the culture that uh, uh, Coach Rule has instilled in them, uh, the belief that he's instilled in them, um, and the fact that they feel like um, Satterfield said, uh, you know, the change is about to come. You know, he, he feels like they're going to finally see the results here and in short order, although we've only got two games left to, to see that. But I think the players have stuck with each other. I think they're on board with what, what is being uh, taught, coached, or whatever. Mm-hmm. And uh, I think that puts Nebraska in a good place. If you, if you could just take care of the football, you know, you look at those NCAA statistics every week, and there's Nebraska at the top of the list in turnovers. There's Nebraska at the top of the list in Fumbles lost. Um, you you just can't keep putting that kind of pressure on the defense, and you can't keep undercutting your offense by turning the ball over. And that's something that uh, Nebraska, you know, it's not probably going to happen overnight. But you would like to think that uh, 
um, maybe that Nebraska can take care of the ball in, in Madison and, and have some success. And Mike, it's, it's interesting whenever you look at this game because it does feel like a, a game between two offenses that have been ineffective for slightly different reasons. For, for Wisconsin, it's been a case of not having the pieces to run the offense that, that Phil Longo and, uh, and uh, Coach... Fickle. Fickle. Ah, I don't know why I blanked on That's that one. Right. It's Wednesday afternoon. But uh, Coach Fickle want to run there. And as for Nebraska, it's been ineffective because of the turnovers. I want to get your thoughts here as we're now 10 games into the season. The root cause of those turnovers, we've been trying to figure it out for a long time now. Is it because of poor in-game coaching, poor play calling? Is it not having guys ready? Is it not having the pieces you want to run that offense? I guess how different are Nebraska and Wisconsin's offensive struggles in your opinion? Um, I, I think Nebraska, you know, the turnovers, the, the interceptions are a reflection of decision-making and maybe a comfort level there with the quarterbacks uh, making those throws. The fumbles, you know, that, that's got me uh, wondering if it has anything to do with, uh, you know, when, when they do run some kind of option play uh, because, you know, it, my mindset goes back to the the good old days when Oklahoma was running the wishbone and Nebraska was running an option. And part of part of running the option is you're you're pitching it, you're moving it around, and you tend to fumble. You know the the uh, historic game when Nebraska won in 1978 uh, in Memorial Stadium. Oklahoma fumbled nine times, lost six of those fumbles. Uh, the, the the final fumble at the three-yard line with about three minutes to go in the game was by Billy Sims, the Heisman Trophy winner that season, the leading rusher in the nation that season. Um, the offense kind of contributed to it because that's what you did. I don't know if Nebraska has some of that. Um, I, it, it just befuddles me when I look at it and I see that Nebraska is, what, 13 of 27 or – is it 13 to 27 fumbles they've lost? Um, yeah. Something like that. I, think, I know they've lost 13, and Wisconsin is right behind them with 11 lost fumbles. So you've got maybe two teams that have that tendency. But um, I, I don't know why it happens and why it continues to happen at this point uh, in the season. And, and you know, the, the four interceptions, that just was a head-scratcher. I, I just – I can't imagine there's ever been a time where – Three quarterbacks have played in the game, and each quarterback has thrown an interception. It's happened. It's happened, and one of the last times it happened, it was Pitt v. Florida State. We thank our stream listeners for this stat on Monday. And Chubba Chubba was part of that that trio. Arizona State also did it a while back as well. They Mm -hmm. They had three quarterbacks throw four interceptions. One had two, and the other to each had one of their own too. So it's happened before. So, Mike, do you just stop? Do you stop calling pass plays? Is my question. Yeah. Well, no, I don't think so. I think you try to get some confidence there. You know, that's uh, uh, something that you gotta you gotta be able to do. Um, even if you're even if you're running primarily options and running the ball, you still want to use that opportunity when the defense gets figures. Hey, they're running the ball. That's what they're gonna do. They're run. They're run. They're run. All of a sudden, you break somebody open. Uh, you got the chance for a big pass play. So. You're not going to get rid of it entirely, uh, even if you do put a heavy emphasis on the run, because that has you have the opportunity. That's why 
Nebraska's tight ends under Osmer always caught uh, touchdown passes because nobody was paying attention to them at some point, and they just get open, and there it was. Mike Babcox with us, Sale Varsity Radio at MD Babs on Twitter is where you find him. Mike, couple of minutes here, and uh, if you were to lean, do you think Nebraska snaps out of it? And we'll dive into this a little bit later, Elijah, but the point spread has dropped from seven now to four and a half, and in some spots, three and a half, and that screams to me, not Vegas's overwhelming uh, security on Nebraska's quarterback situation, but more so maybe a Braylon Allen question mark uh, has been answered if, if he's available uh, on top of all of Wisconsin's players post game, right? When we talk about the morale, the juice, the gas left in the tank, you know, are they, are they miserable? <laughs> and uh, that, that's quite, I mean, that's half, that's half the number dropping. Yeah, you know, that's possible. I, Allen missed a game, and then he carried three times in the last game. So uh, the question about whether, you know, how healthy is he going to be, how is he going to be ready. Uh, uh, Mordecai threw 45 passes in the last game, completed 31 for 255 yards, and they lost. So, um, I, you know, I think Nebraska has a chance because – but, you know, I've said this – I don't know how many times I've picked Nebraska here – on Wednesdays and been wrong, um, three or four. Uh, but I think Nebraska's in a position where could win this game, got that bowl eligibility, that six-win thing on the line. Um, I think Nebraska, if, if, if you could beat Wisconsin, you got a little bit of momentum. You could beat Iowa here. That game is here. You could beat Iowa three to nothing. Uh, and, uh, you know, Nebraska – I, I figured it out. There's a way Nebraska could get into the Big Ten championship. Yeah. Do do tell, because that's that's how you want to end the season is with one more shot at Michigan. <laughs> right. Well, it would require Illinois beating Iowa for mm-hmm. one thing, and uh, Nebraska has to win its final two games for another. And I don't know whether they take division, what the tiebreaker is, division wins uh, record or whatever. If mm-hmm. if that were the case, Nebraska would definitely be the one. Um, if it's head to head then you have to hope that Minnesota would lose to, to uh, Ohio State um, because then the overall record would be uh, Nebraska would have the better overall record. Yeah. Something so, tells me Ohio State gets that one. They might. Mike, yeah, we'll, something tells me that. Mike, we'll check in later on. Thanks for jumping in today. Thanks, guys. Appreciate it. And now. And now. Back to Hale Varsity Radio. Open phones here till 5, and Evan Bland going to be with us. Big thanks to Mike Babcock. Be sure to check out the podcast. Get a subscription to that for Hale Varsity Radio, Spotify, iTunes, Google Play. You want to watch, uh, go for it. It's the Hale Varsity YouTube channel, or can catch the Rewind, the Hale Varsity Radio Twitter feed at HVarsity Radio. So we can get into the point number uh, dropping from 7 to four and a half next hour we'll spend some time on tony white and how attractive he is to uh, some programs looking at head coaches or defensive coordinate coordinators uh, 489-1240 or 800-825-5865 we've touched on the morale part uh, let's get into some of the stream comments and <laughs> i like what's being asked here by our friends uh, in the stream, is it Saturday yet? Help me pronounce that, Elijah. 
CK Cash. CK Cash. Thank you. I, I need readers. That's all there is to it. Um, Red Wine checks in. Good to hear from Red Wine. I'd be okay with Purdy handling the ball, handing it off to Sims, and giving Johnson a rest as long as Sims doesn't fumble it. Um, that's optimistic. Uh, there is a lot of talent with Sims running the football. There just needs to be more <laughs> care on taking care of the football. And, you know, Babbers touched on the, the turnover issue. It's been beaten and beaten and beaten into the ground, but it's it's why you've lost and you've won despite of it. And you just wonder about just the mindset of, of Nebraska not only talking about turning turning the football over, but afraid to turn the football over, and the reality of guys might just be trying to do too much, or they just are careless, and it's a football IQ thing, and that goes to everybody who's taking a snap behind center. Um, I'm of the opinion that you know you look at Sims and and Rule touched on it trying to go rogue or ad-lib a little too much on that quarterback counter, right? It went from bad to worse, from, all right, let me let me try and outrun everybody to the sideline and, and just do my own thing, bounce it out. And I see that with Grant, too, man. And I'm, I am still of the opinion that Grant could, could really surprise and have a 100-yard game because he has the talent. But when he gets in there, it's just too much side to side. And there's not enough downhill. And, and listen, there's not. He, he needs guys up front to block for him. But there's just hesitation. There's just not him hitting the hole quick and downhill, if there is a hole. And Schmidt, we've talked about it with, with Jeff Sims. You see the physical tools. You see the way the, the, the ball jumps out of his hand whenever he throws the football. You see the speed. At some point, you just got to realize that, that you got to cut your losses. And I think that's where Nebraska is at with Anthony Grant. You see the athleticism. You see the way he's willing to run through somebody. You see the top-end speed when he gets out in space. But it's a case of, of a guy that I think you just have to cut your loss on because you see the way Emmett Johnson grows every single game. You don't it's, go away from him at all. You don't go away from Emmett Johnson. I don't think you risk it with Anthony Grant on the field because Emmett Johnson, based on what I've seen the past three games, has been head and shoulders. Give him more Anthony workload. Grant. Him and Give fleeks. Him more workload. We have a thought in here from, from Redwine saying – they used to make a fumbler carry the ball around all week. What if we say they, they have to uh, – what? What if we say they have to – not sure what he's going for. They'll get tired of picking it up, though. Yeah, maybe he's going with the, the program reference where you fumble in practice, you have to carry the football all around. Hey, that's what I'm saying. What happens if it's a campus-wide call – the running backs, quarterbacks, wide receivers, they'll have to carry a ball around all week long. And if a student gets to knock that football out during class, between classes, whatever, they get a little prize. Well, then it gets back to coach and, oh, you fumbled. You weren't securing the football. Everybody's running stadium stairs. Uh, Brian checks in on Wisconsin. A lot of finger pointing going on in Badgertown. Big Red has had its ups and downs this season, but they still control their own destiny to make it to the bowl game. That's one thing that Tony White touched on. And uh, Satterfield has also mentioned a few times that that team building, that chemistry, that camaraderie, this this could have had several earthquakes when it comes to finger-pointing 
right? But they truly do have one another's back. They've accepted the sudden change challenge. It's like it's a game show. And Nebraska's been ready for about every fire drill. They've not always succeeded. But more times than not, they've done a marvelous job of keeping points or touchdowns off the board. Who's on the horn? Have you seen Moonbot's comment on the stream? No. He's got a great idea. Not five wide. (laughs) He says, everybody will be expecting the run. Pass until we hit three interceptions and And then then start start running. running. Well... Right, because surely they're not going to go for four picks. <laughs> Five? Nah, can't do it. They can't top last week. Moonbot, he could be Marcus Satterfield in the stream here. Yeah, Pass I'm sure, till we hit three and then yeah, start running the yeah, football. I'm, I'm sure Sant's lurking and, and enjoying sports radio <laughs> this time of year in this state. <laughs> After being in South Carolina. Yeah, I'm sure, I'm sure he's a big sports radio guy. We go to the phone lines where Tim is hanging on. Tim, thanks for hanging. Go ahead. You bet, guys. Love the show. Thanks, Couple man. things. Uh, the fans that are being unruly in the stands grow up. Uh, the young fans who are upset about us losing. We got young red shirts out there filling in for guys that are injured. It takes time. If you're 30, 40 years old, you know how long it takes just to win half your games. If you're 40 and older, trust me, <laughs> you've chewed your nail off or your nails off for years to see what it takes to win championships and to win the big title. Mm. So everybody slow down, just be patient. And if we lose this week, does Jack, or if we're getting tortured, does Jack get to call the rest of the season to start getting him some game experience? Thanks for letting me get in, guys. Appreciate it. Thanks for the phone call, Tim. I, I don't know <laughs> on the uh, the Jack call, but uh, it's, a, it's a thought there. But, yeah, I mean, it, it's there's always drama associated, but the drama's shifted over the years from can you win the big one, can you hang on and, and win the whole thing, to now you're in that can you get back to a, a bowl game situation. Well, it's, it's so simple with Nebraska this year. It just feels like a, a mark of progress is can you beat the teams that you're supposed to beat. And and they've been better at, at that. I mean, this year, I think there's – among the, the, the talent on the field, if you take away stylistically, you take away momentum, all that. I'm looking at what they've done with all their injuries. That's what's that's that's the, the hallmark to me, if, if we're going to talk why you should be optimistic, uh, despite and, – and Tim hit on it with the, the red shirts and the, the freshmen on the defensive side of the ball. Elijah, I mean, they, they – I know they've lost their last two with backup quarterbacks, but they they won three straight with a backup quarterback. And then your O line goes down, and you're playing freshman wideouts, and your top two to three running backs, at least two of them, are, are are gone for the year. So you are absolutely riddled on one side of the football that's had problems anyway. And I know we've been critical of Sat, and and you know the the comment of you can't play stupid, but you can't play scared. There's going to be a better balance with your personnel and what you're calling. Uh, same sense, <clears throat> there's been instances where it's been open with what he's called, and it's been the execution thing. We'll wind down hour one. More comments from you, more phone calls on the way with Hale Varsity. And now. And now, back to Hale Varsity Radio. 
One final time this first hour. Evan Bland coming up in 10 minutes. Uh, room for you at 520. A jock talk will wind us down. 489-1240. Reminder to get buckled up. Coaches make substitutions during the game to get their best player on the field. Getting behind the wheel after drinking also demands a substitution. Impaired driving is deceptively dangerous. Uh, a message from the NDOT Highway Safety Office. Some emails to get to next hour as well. More of your stream comments. Our old friend Jeff from Boulder. Love that story about the Snitleys uh, brokering the Boulder Peace Treaty. Legendary. Which it is legendary. If you're cut off from the bar, usually you don't get uh, reserved. That's not us. And that's not even the Snitleys. Well, that, that's what the whole point of the peace treaty was. I know, but the, the fact is, is hey, that's fine. Uh, homeboy, uh, sure, he's a few deep. They just got rocked by Colorado. How about beer? How about no more, no more Jameson? <laughs> if you say no, beer. we'll get our lawyer involved. <laughs> Sir, uh, would you like uh, some of the, the finest Coors <laughs> Colorado has to offer? Uh, uh, Jeff chimes in. That was the best. Witnessing, the, we should have filmed the Boulder Peace Treaty. Uh, went to, to Madtown in 2016. As he's on the stream here with his comment. Uh, YouTube uh, is where you watch this Hale Varsity YouTube channel. Went to Madtown in 2016, watched Nebraska lose in overtime. Prior to the game, a family of Badger fans bought our group beers and wished us luck. Overall, the fans were not horrible. That's that's, that's warming. That's, now, I agree I, with that. Can't you see Babbers, though? I mean, it's like it's, a, uh, it's apocalypse now. Babbers, uh, Babbers in, a, in a hard hat, probably a flak jacket, and he's making his way on that 20-minute trek from uh, Camp Randall to the Babbers Mobile, and there's, there's, I mean, it, it's like the uh, the scene in um, uh, uh, Back to the Future Two, where Marty goes back in time, and there's, there's Biff's Palace, the casino, and there's all these <laughs> rundown joints, and there's trash can fires, and there's just hammered zombies everywhere. I can just picture Babbers with a stern look on his face backpack and he's just trucking he's just he's just getting through the noise he, he, he missed out the, the walking through frat row at wisconsin was electric it's different than nebraska they're just all drinking in the front yards which you can't do at nebraska and i thought it was quite enjoyable i thought they were very receptive i, I had to go back were and there a few option roll. pitches to elijah no i know well here's the thing and i checked my camera rolls 2018 because i have a picture there's a nice sign on one of the frats it looks like uh pike the pike house I mean, we talk about welcoming Wisconsin dads and Nebraska moms drink free. Okay. How receptive is that? Getting all the, the Husker moms in there, let them drink for free? That's, that's chivalrous. That's that, what that, that is. <laughs> sure. <laughs> <laughs> it's one way to think about it. <laughs> Mi casa, su casa. Uh, there you go. So we'll get Evan Bland's take on this whole thing Saturday night. Uh, weekend edition, just to remind you, flex schedule-wise, we're going to be 4 to 6 uh, live Saturday as uh, we'll get you ready for Nebraska-Wisconsin. Real Red Reaction follows as soon as Nebraska-Wisconsin wraps up. Roadshow Friday for us. We are up at the Hurt at Sports Bar and Grill, 4 to 6. So if you're in La Vista, come on by, uh, grab a brew and or a whiskey or 
some of that bang bang sauce. Hour two on the way with Hale Varsity Radio. The voice of Husker Nation is on the air. This is Hale Varsity Radio. Insight, opinion, expertise, along with the biggest names talking Nebraska sports. Join in with the show at 402-489-1240 or 1-800-825-5865. Now, here are your hosts, Chris Schmidt and Elijah Herbal. Back with you, Tower 2. It's Hale Varsity Radio. We're powered by Cornhead Lager. Chris Schmidt, Elijah Herbal. We welcome in with the Omaha World Herald, Evan Bland at Evan Bland, O-W-H on Twitter. Evan, what's going on? Thanks for joining us today. Yeah, not much. It uh, you know, feels like a late May afternoon here, except for the sunset, but uh, doing all right. Have you grabbed the golf clubs or no time? <laughs> not during the season, no, not so much. <laughs> and, and the, the dead grass kind of, uh, you know, it kills the vibe a little bit, but no, I'm not complaining at all. So if you're waiting for after football season, do you have any advice for December golfing? Uh, I mean, Wait, do, it, do, it, do it in Arizona. So Usually bring your snowshoes. Um, yeah. Keep your yeah. head down. I suppose that, that applies any time of year. Yeah, don't, don't hit, hit it low. Keep it out of the wind. Well, uh, Brian, <laughs> Brian chimes in on the stream, Hale Varsity YouTube channel. Brian says, if it's a hockey environment at Madison, don't forget the foil and keep the Hanson brothers close by. We were talking about, you know, what to expect. It's a slap shot reference. Mm. You haven't, yeah. see, you haven't seen that, uh, Elijah? Not, 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 no. No? Oh, man. Okay. Well, uh, we'll, we'll get there next time. I've seen but... that one scene, the end scene where they're in the office. <laughs> yeah. I think you showed me that one. Yeah, that was pretty good. Um, Evan, <laughs> we'll get back to football. Uh, it's a bit of a comedy at quarterback. We'll, we'll transition that way. Uh, and there you go. Uh, the, uh, the turnovers are, are not a laughing matter unless you're playing Nebraska and what are you uh, picking up? What are you thinking here for Saturday? Any any insider projection here on if it is going to be Chuba? I know when we last heard from from Rule and, and even sat yesterday, it was it was Chuba and it was Sims taking snaps and not much mention on Heinrich. Yeah, it's going to be. I mean, Rule said on Monday it'd be a game time game day decision and. I, I don't see any reason why that's not going to be the case. Um, you know, if Heinrich Harburg's ankle is not, ex- you know, up to, to what they want it to be so he can be an explosive runner and that dual threat uh, that, that he has been, then I, I think that's a tough ask for him to go out there hobbled. Um, you know, Purdy it, it looked good on the drive that he got there at the end. He goes, 10 plays, 90 yards before the interception. And, uh, you know, Rule said he was a little bit banged up just from the hits he took on that one drive. He hasn't had a lot of uh, reps this year, had the groin that he's worked through and may require something, uh, you know, a procedural after the season to address that. So, you know, he's, he's a little bit less than 100% health-wise. Jeff Sims is healthy, uh, but he had three of those turnovers on Saturday, and, and you just – you wonder how much trust he can earn back this week in practice from what we've seen, um, you know, in, in a pretty big sample size to this point in the season. So I don't know. I mean, I, I truthfully, like, do you go with the with the guy who's healthy and who maybe you have to hold your breath a little bit with ball security? Do you go with somebody else who's less than 100%? Um, I don't know. I don't know which way you go. I do think, though, whoever they go with, like, you have to – 
look hard at protecting your quarterback. And, and, and by that, I, I mean, you know, kind of maybe dying to yourself a little bit and running the ball a lot more. And maybe that's not what this staff wants to do long-term. Uh, that's, that's maybe not the path they are, are envisioning for, um, you know, contending for the Big Ten down the line or whatever it might be. But I think for these last two games, just considering the problems they've had holding onto the ball and how well the defense has played, whoever you put out there, put them in the best position uh, to where they're not exposing their bodies, exposing the football, um, and, and, and putting um, you know, so much more risk on every one of these plays. Well, Evan, while we're talking about the quarterback position here, just off the wall, do you know which leader of this Husker team, in fact, played some quarterback in high school? Who are you talking about? It was Isaac Gifford, and I know that because I was okay. the center for his first ever varsity snap at the quarterback position. We fumbled the exchange. I never got to snap the ball to him again, and the yeah, rest it was of on history. The, it was on the center uh, on that one. <laughs> I, I'm not going to say whose fault it was. Uh, but, hey, the option's there. I, I don't think he started at quarterback by the time his senior year rolled around, but he at least got one varsity snap at quarterback. And I don't know, the, the guy's been a real leader for that defense, and all, all the offense maybe needs is a leader. Hey, I mean, you know, I'm, I'm a, a Southeast guy too, so, um, you know, I, I wouldn't hate that to <laughs> give him a chance. But, no, I, you know, I think, you know, Marcus Satterfield made it pretty clear on Tuesday, like he was asked about, who, who do you look at beyond those three? And he really didn't want to go there. I mean, they have a couple walk-on quarterbacks on the roster that, uh, you know, he, he could have mentioned, but he was pretty clear that they were going to travel three to Madison, and, and those are their scholarship guys. Those are the guys they've invested the reps in. Um, you know, and, and, like, it's tough because they're all good guys, right? Like, they're all, they're all the, the turnovers – and the struggles are not an indictment on their, who they are as people, their personalities, all the rest. Like they've been good teammates when they haven't been out there, they've been supportive. Uh, so like in that sense, you feel good about it, but it's just, it's been the, the, the you know, the, the want to and the, uh, who you are as a person. Like it, it doesn't always account for processing in the moment and good decision-making when you're out there. And, you know, those sorts of things that just continue to hound them. But, you're, you're at this point now where you've got two games left. Um, I think if you can start Harburg and he's, he, he gives you, um, you know, close to what he normally does in the run game, you've put enough into him at this point that you, you put him back out there would be my opinion. Um, but we'll see. Like, it's, 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 a, it's not a great situation. As Matt Rule said Monday, uh, maybe there aren't any answers really immediately, at least not great ones that you feel good about. I think it just, again, comes down to how do you mitigate risk and, 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 and set the game up in such a way that you're putting more weight on a defense that's shown that it's able to handle it. Evan Bland's with us from the Omaha World, Harold, Nebraska, Wisconsin, Saturday. Are you surprised at the the lack of protection for this defense and they've not gone conservative they've let it rip and even in some moments it's easy to to scream be conservative with hindsight or is that not what Nebraska is ever going to be and I ask that because there's been some years where listen you lean on your strength and, and you find a way to win with your strength and you make do with with another side of the unit or football that, that may not be up to par, and you try and work together to get it done. This team's had has had each other's back, and I really respect that. That said, 
Um, this defense is, I mean, they're going to have the broadest shoulders in America by the time the season's done. Yeah, I am a little surprised that they haven't protected the defense more. And I think the last, you know, the last drive of the game, the the interception that Nebraska throws to me is a a perfect example of that to where, you know, to to hear Matt Rule and Marcus Satterfield lay out their reasoning for that play. uh, You know, it was about attacking. It was about winning the game. It was about... Um, as Matt Rule said on Monday, trying to teach guys that if you play it safe, you only get to a certain point. But, you know, again, like, I think context matters so much. And in that moment, you've got a, a third-string quarterback who hasn't taken a lot of reps. Um, your defense has been a strength. but your, your, your running game offensively has been a strength more so than what your offense has been. So, like, I don't, you know, you can make an argument, I think, that, attacking and winning the game is running the ball on third down. Um, you know, maybe you score, but if you don't set you up for a field goal and you are able to rely on that defense. And I, you know, it's like, I don't know why that um, can't fit into that lens. Like that's what I would, I would be curious to, to kind of follow up on or explore deeper kind of the, the thought process there. And it does feel like in the last couple of weeks, especially, um, you know, they have been a little bit bolder with their, passing game and and gone away from some of the the ground and pound that was a part of why they won the three in a row that they did so you know again you're at this spot where long term you have a vision for what this offense wants to be um but but right now like this is the personnel that you have you have injuries you have all the rest um so like you have to walk that fine line between kind of uh, you know doing what you what you want to do what's natural to you as a play caller but then also being aware in the moment what your limitations are and maybe the best thing for you to do to win because you know if if you're sending a larger message to your team in that moment like I think another pretty large message would be hey you win the game you go to a bowl game you get the practices this program takes a step forward so uh, you know I think those are all kind of factors and what's been a pretty you know, complicated discussion this week. Evan Bland with us here from the Omaha World Herald, Hale Varsity Radio. And Evan, looking forward here, the final two games of the season, can Nebraska get anything more from their defense? Because the turnovers are, are expected at this point. I was talking to my roommate last week. He asked, well, what can I expect tomorrow? I said, well, turnovers, for one. That's, that's the main thing you can expect with this Husker offense. So with that in mind, can this Husker team get anything more out of this defense to get them over that, that mark, get them to that six win point? Yeah. I mean, I think that's, that's certainly a possibility. Uh, The defense is relatively healthy. They're still relatively deep. Like this in theory is the time of the year when that depth pays off where you, you know, you saved your guys a game or two's worth of snaps uh, on, on their bodies uh, by rotating as many guys as you have. So maybe uh, you have a little bit fresher legs, um, you know, that sorts of thing. But, like, like it, the defense in a lot of ways sort of is what it is. We know that it's a good run-stopping defense. We know that it's going to pressure the quarterback. <clears throat> we know that it's pretty good in the red zone and sort of a bend but don't break, uh, you know, sort of um, sort of effectiveness. But, like, that's – been that last step and sort of the bane of the existence of these black shirts has been can you turn some of those punts into uh the takeaways and setting up the defense or setting up the offense into a short field because you know goodness knows they need it on that side of the on that side of the ball and and that's what 
you know, help them score against Maryland last week. So I think it's there. Um, but again, we're 10 games into this thing. And so like, at what point is the team kind of what it is? And for a lot of teams, that would be enough. That would be more than enough. I mean, this, I, the defense is one of the great stories. Um, I think it's certainly of Nebraska. It's one of the better stories in college football this year, the way that it's been able to bounce back and, uh, you know, be an anchor for this team. Um, so, yeah, I, I think there are individual players that certainly can make those plays. Wisconsin hasn't necessarily been super prone to turning it over on offense. So we'll see how that part of it shakes out. Um, but, it, like, again, it, even if, if, if the offense could take even a, a marginal step forward, I think what the defense is doing um, it should be enough for Nebraska to be in games and to win them at the end. Evan, are you surprised that the mess Wisconsin is not not with a transition or a new coach, but just what's perceived as some finger pointing and and some of the players have spoke out. I mean, they some of them are just ready to to end the year. Is is that's the body language and tone? It's been really interesting to listen to some of the interviews out of Madison this week from players. I mean, you're right. Like there's. There's finger pointing. There's a lot of talk about buy-in and who's bought in and who's not and how do you figure that out. Uh, you know, it's not all that different from interviews that we've heard in Lincoln from past seasons when there's been transition going on. And so, like, what I think is interesting is one of the positives that if you're Nebraska, I think one thing you can take out of this season for sure is that there is a culture being set. And, like, this is a great sort of comparison week for that because you look at – at the fact that Wisconsin and Nebraska are both five and five, three and four in the division. They both have first year coaches. And on the one hand, you have ever, all the conversation going on in Madison. And on the other hand, you've got, uh, you know, Nebraska guys kind of buying into what's going on, you know, going one and zero each week. And uh, I haven't gotten the sense talking to anybody that there's a rift between the offense and the defense. And I think that can happen in a place where there's, uh, you know, flimsier culture or uh, a lack of communication. So, like, I don't know that that's enough for Nebraska to win on Saturday night. I think Wisconsin is, is a little healthier and probably has more talent overall top to bottom. But I do think it's a really interesting case study in how far Nebraska's come along culturally this season under Matt Rule. Well, when you talk about that culture, I mean, it's interesting because you look at it, I mean, from the outside looking in, Wisconsin's probably got the best quarterback in the Big Ten West. They probably have the best running back in Braylon Allen, despite the fact he's had some injury concerns in, in recent weeks. One of the better offensive lines, and yet it just has not translated. I think that speaks to some of the internal issues at Wisconsin this year, whether it be scheme or whether it be culture. Yeah, I mean, in a lot of ways, it, it kind of has uh, Bill Callahan 2004 vibes, right? Like, this is a team in Wisconsin that uh, is, is undergoing some pretty radical changes from being a, you know, a huddling pound the ball sort of offense to, you know, an air raid spread. And then defensively from a, from a three, four with dominant outside linebackers into more of a three, three, five. And, um, you know, you throw onto the fact that that program had expectations this year. If you think back to the preseason, they were uh, the favorites from, from media covering the conference to win the West. And, you know, that's, that's uh, looking pretty much like a long shot at this point. And, um, you know, the Badgers losing three in a row, that does not happen a lot. So th- this is a team that's been used to winning. These are players, the older ones certainly, that have been used to winning. It's not happening right now. And I thought Tony White for Nebraska made a really good point this week saying that if you don't have that offseason investment where guys really get to know each other and you go through the fire together in the offseason, 
then when it happens during the season, there's a lot of um, kind of you versus me within the team. And I think we're seeing some of that with Wisconsin this year. So again, I think that's a credit to what Nebraska has done. And it, it makes for a really fascinating um, viewing in, in, in terms of how the Badgers are going to transition under Luke Fickle. Evan Bland with us from the Omaha World Herald. Follow him on Twitter at Evan Bland, O-W-H. Evan, enjoy Madtown. We'll check in next week. Thanks for the time today. Thanks, guys. All right, there he is. Good stuff from Evan Bland. Open phones next segment, 489-1240. We roll forward on a Wednesday. It's Hale Varsity, and we're powered by Cornhead Lager. Hale Varsity Radio is live. Now, back to Schmitty. Schmitty's a great guy, but he don't have a brain. And Elijah. You want me to speak? When I point you, yeah. On Hale Varsity Radio. Thanks for hanging out. It's Hale Varsity Radio, Wednesday edition. We're powered by Cornhead Lager. Chris Schmidt, Elijah Herbal. As uh, Red Wine counting down the days for the portal that opens <laughs> December 4th. And uh, 19 days. As uh, Redwine continues, we should be tampering with every number two quarterback possible. Uh, I've got a list of names, and I don't know if they're uh, available yet or not, but yep, hit that portal, and please vet and vet and vet again, and then vet some more, and then make some more phone calls, and then go watch the guys tape. Not that they didn't, but it's been a, it's been a, a, a bad example of uh, investment and no return on that uh, with uh, with Sims uh, between injury and then just ineffectiveness. Nothing personal. You hope uh, if he gets a shot Saturday, it's his best performance. If you're a Nebraska fan, you just don't have a ton of faith in that right now. Uh, you have Duck that checks in on the stream and uh, can check us out on the stream. Hail Varsity YouTube channel. We'll get to the phones in a moment. Uh, Duck says this, I guess I've changed my expectations to now we have done better than last year and hope we get a couple of quarterbacks in the season, at the end of the season. And yeah, I mean, figure out who wants to stay and and be here and keep working, get developed, and then you're going to have to add, plus what you're getting in the recruiting class. And, and there's going to be quarterbacks available in the portal, as there are every single year. And that's always the question, well... If Sims is the best you could get last year, who are you going to be able to get this year? I, I again, mean, Casey Thompson was a hit in the portal. He was. He he wasn't elite. He's not going. He's not Caleb no, Williams. But, he, but those quarterbacks, if you, there's there's quarterbacks in the portal that are going to be good enough to get you to a bowl game, to get you to a Big Ten championship game. We've seen it time and time again. I mean, if you remember Penix, Penix was a, a commodity in the portal, but he wasn't this the guy. You that weren't he is sure. Now. Are you getting the the Penix that was hurt at Indiana and missed? and didn't follow up the COVID year where he was incredible in Indiana, made, made Ohio State sweat. They beat Penn State. They were right there for the division and, quite frankly, could have been in a New Year's Day six uh, and, and weren't. And, you know, then he transfers, and Kalen DeBoer was kind of a big deal, too, as OC. Who's on the horn? We have Jim on the line. Jim, thanks for calling. Go for it. Yes, sir. I just uh, wanted to mention I, I'm – so proud of Rule that uh, he takes responsibility, and uh, that's something that we haven't seen for a while. And and how he's building a culture, and and the guys just seem to be together. It's uh, if you take a look at uh, what's going on with the Wisconsin right now, and what's going on with Nebraska, it'd be pretty easy to choose uh, who you who you'd kind of want to stick with next year. But 
the guys are all all hanging in there. You got a bunch of injuries. You got a ton of young guys, and uh, they all seem to be the uh, one to play together. So uh, mm-hmm. it's uh, it's very impressive to me. Is all I'm saying. No, the the thirty thousand foot view, considering everything. Jim, thanks for the phone call four eight nine twelve forty. Like, and now we've beat up uh, the final drive a little bit. Well, the the, the play call. But overall, I mean, for Nebraska to be in it is impressive. And the, the thing that's maddening is is the self-infliction that still plagues this program. You take even half the turnovers away, you're, you're talking about a, dare I say, eight and two, seven win. You're at least at six. And back to your quarterback point, if you make a better quarterback choice or at least – here's the, here's the deal, like – we we talk about Casey Thompson a lot, not not overly, but you know the what could have been or all right, let's plug and play him here and, and where's Nebraska at? Well, the the reasoning was all right. You want a dual threat mobile quarterback. You want a willing runner, and it's not that Casey didn't run it. It's just his forte's back there throwing the football. Well, Rule wants I should say Satterfield wants to chuck the football, but from the get go it was pound pound and then soften him up for the fourth quarter be a be a physical running football team and it it has turned into that but you got to lean on that and and not go into the 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 passing offense if it's a liability or at least (laughs) resist the temptation so you know the other part of this is competition and you're going to make everybody compete for a spot. No one's handed anything, and you can't preach that and then hand over the starting spot to, to Casey Thompson. He was not going to be available to compete for the job in the spring when Sims came in. So there was a there was a bit of a, a mess, a mesh point mess there. Well, did Sims face any competition? I well, I think so. I mean, I think well, I I do. I think Sims. Probably in practice had better moments, from what I'm told. Probably had some turnover moments. I mean, you saw a lot of turnovers in the spring game, right? I mean, and that's it's been an issue. It for may sure. have been competition. I don't think it was open competition. I well, think, I don't I think, think you it, went into I it don't think it was close. Was, this, this is, is our guy in the portal, and look at the tools that he's got. I don't. Sure. I don't think you went. And I think you could. You could. You could have a favorite in the race, but not have named the. I don't think anyone had it sewn up. I, I pray that it wasn't, uh, all right, Casey, we need you to stick and, and compete. Oh, wait, you're hurt. And then you go into the, well, here's the job, Sims. I think as soon as Casey was gone, it was a foregone conclusion who the starting quarterback was going to be. You, you weren't sure if he was going to stick or not anyway. I mean, With Casey? Yeah. Yeah, and I think as soon as he was gone, I think then it became a foregone conclusion who your starting quarterback was. Well, what we don't know is, is with Chubb is growing is is you know because at one point Rule did mention that he was number two and Harburg was three, the injury kind of bumped Chubb down. To you talk about how little you remember that video you have of of Harburg throwing a block on Gifford during fall camp. Yeah, he was H back in it. That's how not open this quarterback competition was. You so, had your so, guy, so let's have our third string guy go risk himself blocking. Now, We're going to make him an H-back this fall. But th- there's a lot that's gone wrong, okay, at quarterback. Decision-making, execution, grasp of the offense, uh, ability to manage. And there's also some bright spots with adapting to a running quarterback, uh, some of the play action. You've seen the, the young wideouts 
make some plays for you. You've seen the offensive line get a lot better. Oh, yeah. But that's the big positive from the offense sure. this year. So, the, the offensive line and Emmett Johnson yeah. are the two big positives from the offense this year. And you've seen some growth from those freshman wide receivers. What, what, I mean, they've, they've each, you know, two of the guys have scored pretty big game ceiling touchdowns, like knockout shots uh, with, uh, with Malachi and, and Lloyd. Lloyd. So, you know, there's, there's been more bad or negative with the turnovers. Now, defense has bailed you out on a handful of those. Handful. Well. Bucketful. <laughs> <laughs> it's a giant keg of turnovers. <laughs> but, no, I mean, you just go back and you need better efficiency at who you're going to go after, making sure they can fit, and as much of a crapshoot as it is, just be right with who you bring in versus who you send off or let go and make sure it's a situation where you, you've got a backup plan if your A, if your plan A don't work. They, they've got to be, they've got to be, they've got to be right next year at whatever the quarterback is. And if they just want a manager, fine. If you think the O-line that's coming back is going to be a, a real strength and they can make an, another leap running the football. You've got Emmett and you've got some other running back choices. They'd just be a downhill running football team that can hit a tight end, can hit a crossing route, can read a defense. And you can survive on that 15 to 25 pitch count throwing the football and still be a physical downhill football team. By gosh, me, that sounds like Spencer Petrus's music. No. He's in the portal. No. Game no. manager no. throws the ball 15 times a game and hands it off with a downhill running game. Nebraska's does, found their guy. Does Spencer have a um, a win over Nebraska? Yeah. Does he? Not last year, but two years ago, yeah. Okay, okay. So let's just get into the, the, the portal names real quick. All right, we'll get to more comments too on the stream. Uh, Moombot says bring in two transfers and have and have a real quarterback battle. The other part is is Kalen and uh, bring in a, a top FCS guy. Here's here's the names. All right, and and I don't know that they've declared yet if they will declare, but here here are the names: Michael Pratt out of Tulane. He's really really good. That's one of those guys that I think might even be out of Nebraska's grasp because of the the, the types of programs they're going to be after Michael Pratt. You've He's got had Mal- a fantastic year. You've got Malik Murphy, Texas, because mm-hmm. uh, homeboy's coming back, and then he's still got Arch down there. Uh, Keinholtz is... Keenholtz. Keenholtz, thank you, yeah. is, is the kid out of South Dakota, though, mm-hmm. that had Washington come in and had Ohio State, and I think Whip... Uh, went after his his homeboy in, uh, in in Massachusetts. It's already been booted from Virginia Tech. You have Jaden Mavia out of UNLV, and uh, Zane Flores. I think Zane Flores is going to go win the job at Oklahoma State. It'd be cool to have the Gretna stud back here, though. But Murphy and Keenholtz, uh, Mavia and uh, and Pratt. Here, here's the other part of this, right? You've got NIL. You are a, you are Nebraska. You've got some things that are working in your favor with NIL, and you've got to bite the bullet and pay a dude. I mean, you've already paid a guy here, not an exorbitant amount. It's a hell of a lot of money, but it's not what some of the other going rates have been. So be right if you're going to fork it over this time. There's a name that you missed that's on the list there, and there's two names that are really intriguing to me. One name what, that's Cam on the- Rising and Dylan Riola? MJ Morris from NC State. Yeah, because Nebraska was after him. He's redshirting the rest of this year at NC State. 
likely because he's going to be entering the portal after this season. Okay. So that's an interesting name, and Matt Rule has some connections in the Carolina. Nebraska was in on like you know a handful of these guys, mm-hmm. and the other name that I think is really really intriguing is. But you better you got to spend it to get it. Yeah. Don't, I don't want to hear about the it. other name that's intriguing. Falling short on the NIL. Keynotes from Ohio State. I, th- I think yeah, get get go get him, what? and especially if he's got a year of of Ohio State tutorage under his belt. It's worked out for a lot of other quarterbacks to. They've go been there great. Year. Yeah, Viewers. look at Stroud for God's Stroud. sake. I mean, but there's a connection with Keen Holtz in Nebraska. You know what that connection is, Schmitty? Is it uh, Polar Bear? Or it is just not. It's Jason Machacek. Oh, yes, yes. Same high school. They both went to TF right. Riggs in Pierre, South Dakota. You ever been through Pierre? Yeah, I know you have. Charming. Very charming. Yeah, no, but they're, they're both from Pierre. Same high school. I believe they played in a state title game together. And if, if, some, if you uh, blow a tire uh, driving through South Dakota, somebody in Pierre is going to stop by and help you fix that. I, that's helpful for me. Yeah, next time uh, you're, you're going east to west to the Black Hills, uh, there you go. No, I'm, ex- I'm excited to see you know, what, what Kalen can become, too. So, you know, you, oh, you I, get- I think Kalen's a great backup plan to have as a break in case of emergency. You probably keep one of your get him three tutored. around. Get him tutored. Harburg, maybe, and if no one beats him out. But then you, you move him if you can get two portal get, guys. Get me a healthy Chuba, and let's see what Saturday looks like. Let's see what Iowa looks like, and let's see what beyond looks like. Uh, I'm not punning on any of these guys to get coached up. And now. And now, back to Hale Varsity Radio. Back into it at Hale Varsity Radio. Chris Schmidt, Elijah Herbal. Time for a Jock Doc Wednesday. Nebraska Orthopedic Center. Dr. Brandon Seifert with us. Dr. Brandon, thanks for uh, some time today. How are you? Hey, I'm doing great, guys. How y'all doing? We're doing all right. We're doing a lot better than Deshaun Watson Needs shoulder surgery out for the rest of the year. Uh, he paused uh, with the media session today with the Browns, and it's it's very tough. He's had knee issues. He's got a max guaranteed deal, but an MRI performed Monday revealed that Watson had a displaced fracture on the glenoid, his right shoulder. Explain that to us and correct the pronunciation. Yeah, you bet, Chris. Ah, nice work. Glenoid is perfect. You know, as you think about uh, anatomically this region, so obviously we're talking about the shoulder. The shoulder is a ball and socket joint. So on the socket side of the shoulder, that structure is actually called the glenoid. Um, Around the glenoid is a structure called the labrum. We've had a couple of chats on here about labral tears and instability in shoulders. And so, you know, pretty uncommon to have a fracture of the glenoid. Um, oftentimes when we start to see, you know, fractures of the glenoid, which are going to be like a displaced piece coming off the socket side, um, oftentimes we really are talking about instability typically. Um, you know, true glenoid fractures, obviously really high-level impact can cause a true glenoid fracture, um, and like a car accident be one of those things. But obviously you're playing in the NFL, get hit by a big enough truck out there on the field that that could do it. Um, but, you know, I'm, I'm, my assumption for him would be he's probably had some subtle instability here and then had kind of a big event here where he probably dislocated the shoulder. And that typically is enough force as that ball portion kind of slams forward and dislocates out of place. That ball slams into the socket. In addition to tearing up or lifting up that labrum, it tends to break part of that front aspect of that socket off. So if you think about the socket of the glenoid, we think of it as kind of a clock face. So if you're kind of looking towards the front of that clock face, down towards the bottom, kind of between about 3 o'clock down to about 6 o'clock, that's typically where these injuries happen. And, again, it's more of kind of a shearing injury as that ball portion slides forward out of place, 
nails part of that front edge of the glenoid and basically fractures off a piece of that. And that's most likely what he's dealing with at this time. He played through this the entire second half against Baltimore in Cleveland's comeback victory. Uh, It was painful, he said, but uh, it occurred in that first half. How'd the guy get through it, still throw for 200-some yards and have a good completion percentage? That sounds pretty remarkable. It really does, Chris. It really does sound remarkable. He got through that. And really, uh, I'm assuming that the symptoms he's been having is more kind of instability-type symptoms. And so, you know, from a throwing mechanism perspective, as you try to wind up, get back into that cocking motion, um, that motion of going all the way back, so you're kind of rotating that wrist back towards your shoulder, elbows kind of coming out to the side, that's kind of that classic position where that ball portion wants to feel like it wants to slip forward or slip out of place. So no doubt as he was doing that, he probably felt a bit of apprehension, if you will, feeling like that ball portion might slide out. But still pretty amazing that, that he can do this. Um, you know, a lot of our athletes we talked about before, especially our throwing athletes, we always talk about kind of walking that fine line of, you know, having just enough instability, laxity, looseness of that shoulder to allow you to throw, you know, a certain type of velocity. But obviously you always kind of walk that fine line. If you start to cross over it, then that ball portion of the mechanics start to change. You start to slip out, and it becomes obviously more and more difficult to generate that velocity as that shoulder becomes more unstable, which, again, I think is a scenario where kind of he's in at this point. He had a rotator cuff strain earlier in the season. Uh, the medical staff say there's nothing related to it. But when we talk shoulder and throwing shoulder, I mean, that's a, a mess to deal with, with rotator cuff. And then it sounds like this uh, molehill turned into a mountain with the, uh, the glenoid uh, when you talk about repeated hits and kind of a build up to it finally collapsing. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. You know, you wonder what kind of connection is there. You know, does the does the rotator cuff issue show up because he already has some subtle instability? You know, maybe perhaps uh, on the flip side, did he, you know, rehab this thing hard enough uh, to allow that rotator cuff to recover and strengthen to the point where he has enough, you know, kind of strength and stability to hold that shoulder in place? Obviously, you can start asking some of those questions. Um, you know, but in the, in the end, unfortunately, at, at that level of play, the kind of force that's exerted on those folks. I mean, it could have just been a one-time deal where it knocked it out. Deshaun Watson, our topic, a jock doc Wednesday. Dr. Brandon Seifert with us. So let's talk procedure and recovery, Dr. Brandon. What's the timetable look like here for, for Watson to get back and be his old self? You know, typically with these, if they're going to go and fix the glenoid, that's going to fix the you know, instability piece on the labral side would be part of this most likely. So if you do something like that, you're looking at being a sling with one of those pillows for about four to six weeks. Could be a little longer depending on how much kind of bony work goes into it and the stability and the fixation they feel is adequate for that. You may go a little longer than that. Um, you know, total recovery time, at least the contact side of things, you know, typically somewhere in that four-and-a-half to six-month range. Obviously, he's got plenty of time to get ready for next year. I think the big question mark for these folks is, you know, when do you let them start throwing? Um, that's always kind of an interesting question for athletes who have go through, a, you know, a stabilization-type procedure um, is when do you let them start throwing. That number can be anywhere from six months up to nine months, sometimes even further along than that, just depending on how they feel. Um, obviously, if there's a you know a bony fixation piece that's here, that might delay that even a little bit further. I do think a timetable of you know getting him back for next year is probably reasonable. Although we're already into November, and so you start thinking about fast forward that nine ten months down the road, and we're looking at next year already. 
So it'll be interesting to see, you know, kind of how many throwing reps he gets kind of through the summer. But my suspicion would be that probably by, you know, at least June, July, he's probably getting some throwing reps, if not a little sooner. It's Dr. Brandon Seifert with us here at Jock Doc Wednesday. And Dr. Brandon, last thought, about 60 seconds left. Do you have any concerns about Deshaun Watson not being able to get back to his old self following the surgery? Are there any long-term risks with a, a guy injuring his throwing shoulder, fracturing this bone? Do you think he will get back to his old self, or do you think there's any concerns with that? Yeah, there's a lot of factors here to consider. So, you know, one, when you go in, what are you, you know, trying to accomplish here surgically? Well, obviously, stabilization of the fracture, but also stabilization of the shoulder. In the process of doing that, having shoulder surgery, things get tighter. Joints get tighter when you go in and you do surgery on on these type of structures, especially in a throwing athlete. So, one, he's going to have to battle some stiffness and some tightness. Um, can he get through that, potentially? Number two, he's going to have to battle that kind of the whole mechanics that go along with that. So, you know, to retrain your brain how to throw. And then three is that kind of that uh, tightness, stiffness sets in. Obviously, that can change some of your velocity. And so that could be a bigger issue for him, too. And then, you know, kind of the last thing, probably the most important part here is really, you know, how much, uh, how much of a risk is he at going back in terms of redeveloping this injury, you know, taking another hit to the socket, another hit to the labrum. You know, can you tear through those sutures? Can you kind of redevelop instability? When you look at, obviously, the size of the people he's going up against and the hits that they take, that's obviously a possibility. Um, that can happen. You think about the, the force that goes through that shoulder and direct contact. Um, that can be enough to kind of overpower, you know, whether it's screws that you put in to fix this or whether it's suture you put in to fix this, patients can tear back through that stuff. And I've seen that happen. And so that's always another risk for him, too. Do I think he can come back? I think he'll try for it. I think it's reasonable. Uh, but I think throwing-wise, he'll probably be a little bit different next year. Uh, but hopefully as time goes along and his tissues become maybe more elastic and pliable, he can return back to a pretty high level of throwing and accuracy. Dr. Brandon, we'll get caught up again next week. Thanks for the time. Okay, fellas, y'all take care. Good stuff from Dr. Brandon Seifert, Nebraska Orthopedic Center at Jock Doc Wednesday. I did not have the guts to ask him if said shoulder issue requires a masseuse <laughs> on staff. We'll wind out a Wednesday next on Hale Varsity. Radio. One final time on a Wednesday, Hale Varsity Radio. We're powered by Cornhead Lager. Chris Schmidt, Elijah Earl. Look at the podcast downloaded for you. Spotify, iTunes, Google Play, the entire show or the segments you want to hear. And uh, check us out. Subscribe to the Hale Varsity YouTube channel. Give us a follow on Hale Varsity Radio Twitter at HVarsity Radio. Big thanks to all of you who've called and checked in on the stream. We'll do it again tomorrow. We'll... Uh, check in with Brandon Vogel, Counter Reed, Danny Burke, our uh, Vegas man. We'll talk some NFL and college football weekend picks. And then Coach Gary Barnett, uh, his thoughts on Nebraska, Wisconsin, Coach Prime and the coaching carousel. What's your feel here with A&M and Urban? You heard Urban and Sparty, maybe not so much anymore. You've got Trailer, who's just been great at University of Texas San Antonio. I don't know if that's a big enough name, although he's a damn good coach for A and M. I let me see Urban and A and M because they've recruited incredible talent. They've just sucked. <laughs> I mean, they've not lived up to to expectations. Or are you are you bored with the A and M saga already? They have the talent that I think could interest Urban. 
But does he truly have the drive to get back into college football? That's the question for me. Go being a, going and being a TV analyst is much easier than being a college football coach. And and you get the dollar. Dude, he wants way. he he I mean, is... he he's used that TV that TV opportunity to help build back up his public image. Sure, and 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 a documentary that gave you thirty seconds of <laughs> all these things happened at the University of Florida, and, and that's what I think Urban cares more about right now than coaching a football team. I think he wants to get image. back in. He wants one more title, and he doesn't like how things finished out at Ohio State, and the SEC is familiar with him. He recruited Texas well, at least when it came to getting quarterbacks and some skill guys. So no, I would. I mean, plus they they'd worship him and pay him a boatload of money. They've got it. I think the name. He's kind of who they need. I mean, he wanted the USC job, and USC told him to go uh, keep on walking. How about Davo Sweeney to Texas A&M? That one makes some sense to me. It, it Dan, does. Dan I think Lanning he's, makes he's sense ready to me out. as well. Dan Lanning makes sense to me as well, but I don't think Oregon's he, ever going to let too, him go. No, he's in too good a spot. Oregon's lost. It'll, it'll come down to dollars and cents. There are several coaches, if you think about it. If, if they go after Dan Lanning, it comes down to dollars and cents, and I don't think with Oregon moving off to the Big Ten next year, that they're going to let Dan Lenning go, unless it is Oregon can astronomical out. offer. Oregon can't. I don't know. You tell me this. I mean, who, who wins in this tug of war? Texas oil money or or Nike, Uncle Phil? <laughs> I think oil money wins, doesn't it? What about Jay Norvell? Not Norvell. Who's Florida State's coach right now? Norvell. Yeah, yeah. Not Jay. Jay's at Colorado State. Mike, Mike. Norvell. That's that's why I knew it was wrong. Well, I just don't know if, if guys are ready to get out. I know that they're grumpy about the ACC and Florida State and Clemson uh, are sick and, and tired of not getting paid for their worth. <laughs> they, want, they want their commission to be a little higher since they're the ones pushing for the playoff. No, I'd, if I'm A&M, I'd go do it. I mean, you want to become elite. You want to become relevant. Go get Urban down there. He might freak out with the yell leaders. Bunch of guys waving towels. A graveyard dedicated to Lassie the dog. It's uh, it's an interesting spot down there in Psychoville where Finkel's the mayor. The, the one big selling point they have is all the five stars that Jimbo brought in there. Urban would just have to develop. Well, he'd yell and they'd do it or he'd run them out. Back tomorrow, 4 o'clock. We'll talk to you then. Thanks for tuning in to Hale Varsity, powered by Cornhead Lager. A Huda Media Production. Heard at Sports Radio. Every weekday morning from 7 to 10 a.m. Join hosts Robbie Lula and Damon Benning and our cast of Heard at Sports personalities as they share their fresh perspectives while keeping you highly entertained. Take a dive into the latest news in all things sports, from the pros to right here at home. Catch Heard at Sports Radio with Robbie Lula and Damon Benning, 7 to 10 a.m. on air, online, and on podcast. Heard at Sports Radio.